As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. The big England open play goal drought debate. Inappropriate typefaces for top level trophy engraving. An 8 out of 10 Arsenal bromance. Shirt sponsor scenes from a Canadian coffee shop. The concept of the 12th man is taken to an unprecedented new level at the darts. The Labour Party target the Super Sunday voters. Acres of time at Hampton Park. Welsh co-commentary corner. And in and around England's World Cup base camp with Gary Neville. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 194 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for his 125th. Football cliches appearance is Charlie Eccleshare, the Peter Shilton of this scenario. How does it feel? Very good, yeah. Um, hopefully slightly less controversial a figure than Peter Shilton, mm. but um, longevity-wise, delighted with that, yeah. Yeah, longevity-wise, absolutely, yeah. Um, in to fill the Nick Miller role this week is Nick Miller. How's it going, Nick Miller? Yeah, not bad, not bad. It's 125, do you get, is that one of the ones where you get like a, a, a special cap? Uh, with yeah. it. it feels like you should. I would have thought so. Yeah. Yeah, you give something for 100, but 125 also feels quite royal too. Um, you are on mere cap 42. I say mere. That's uh, David Batty, Owen Hargreaves, Peter Crouch, Danny Welbeck territory. Not insignificant figures. No, I'd, I, I would have guessed more for Batty, but uh, yeah, happy with that. Mm. Uh, much like Batty, I'm going to fade into the background uh, when my time on the Clichés podcast <laughs> is done and not be a, not be contactable to anyone wanting to interview me. Your time on the Football Clichés podcast will never be officially done. It's been a while, actually, but you've been busy, of course. You've been uh, editing the forthcoming Totally Football book. 
Mm. Uh, which is out in early October, I believe. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Adam. Thank you. Um, yes, it's out on the 6th of October. It is a collection of excellent writing based on the kind of idea of where football is in 2022. And uh, both yourself and Charlie, of course, have written things for it. You've written something about the, the sort of concept of Frank Lampard, <laughs> man, football manager, and uh, Charlie's written about Son Hyung Min. Yeah, it's really um, good to get closure on, on Frank Lampard. But, um, Charlie, is the main thrust of your Son Hyung Min epic that he's an underrated player? Because that's dangerous territory to get into, suggesting that a player might be underrated. It is. And I was, uh, I did feel like a bit of a hostage to fortune because I, I was slightly fearing throughout the summer that, you know, some big, massive super club would come in and make a £200 million bid and slightly undermine the whole um, mm. premise. But they didn't. So, hurrah. And, and Lampard did get sacked, so we're all safe. So yeah. we should get paid, right? It'd be fine. <laughs> I was, and I was absolutely, uh, I was very relieved that uh, when he scored a hat trick the other week, because um, the way his uh, the start of the season was going was going to make the, that piece look a little bit silly. But um, yeah, that's Thank true. You. Actually, Thank I, hadn't, you, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Well, don't worry, you're in live-ish topical territory here. Nothing. Nothing could become outdated unless we start talking about England versus Germany, which is happening tonight. And, uh, well, people already know what happens. But on the subject of England, Charlie, uh, they've been relegated mm. from um, League A, I believe, of the of the Nations League. And um, Gareth Southgate doing some very convincing club-style ominous pre-sacking chat, uh, talking about his contract and how that doesn't necessarily keep him safe. He'll be... All he's doing now is focusing on a good performance in the next game. He, he knows he's going to be judged on results. I think all we're missing here is, well, that's a question you'll have to ask the FA. I feel like <laughs> it's amazing um, just, you know, how little we kind of hear of club language in international football. But that's where it's going. He's, he's offering a real sort of beleaguered manager chat here. Yeah, is that because it's almost like elections being an international manager that you just, you know, if you get bombed out early or lose an election you're going there, there, there are sort of more kind of obvious points at which it's going to happen I mean obviously you can be sacked between cycles as they're called but ultimately if you do badly the World Cup you're off um, yeah I mean do, 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 inter, do votes of confidence do they happen at international level well, who would they come from I'm trying to go I'm, well, I guess I'm, the FA less, in this case yeah, I'm less aware of who runs English football than I've ever been is it Bert Miller Chip still? I don't know. <laughs> who who is Adam Southgate's boss? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows. Um, but uh, one thing is, I think it's fair to say England are in poor form, Nick. But um, there are some technicalities at play here. Jack Pitbrook reports from the England press pack and says there is some there is some debate about how long England's open play goal drought actually is. Common consensus is that it, it stretches back to last November and the. 10-0 dismantling of San Marino. But Tyrone Mings headed home a Phil Foden corner for England's third goal in the 3-0 win over Ivory Coast in March. Does that not count as open play? Instinctively, Nick, I say no. Hmm. Interesting. Well, no, I I would say that does count as open play. I, I would have said non-open play goals are, are penalties and goals directly from free kicks. I don't know. I don't know. I think in the spirit of it, I feel like a header from a corner shouldn't count Charlie as open play because it's it's it is a, it's part of a set piece, right? And I think spiritually it shouldn't count. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I think the, the waters might have been muddied a bit by the growth of non-penalty goals, which mm. has really infiltrated uh, kind of even the non 
data heads speak. Uh, but yeah, I think traditionally, I wouldn't think a set piece, any set piece goal is, a, is from open play. Um, but I do wonder now with non-penalty goals. I think they're serving different functions. Non-penalty goals is, you're still having to create the chances and, and set piece chances are still, mm. are still technically part of that. But in terms of free flowing open football that, you know, in terms of chance creation in that sense, Nick, heading heading home a corner, it doesn't really count, does it? I mean, I mean, I think this is important. Should heading home from a corner count as open play? If so, why? Well, because it's, it's it's an open play, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but well, I mean, do, do, we, yeah. do we, we we get do we are we going to get into some sort of murky phases of play? areas here because yes. Yeah. yes we are not it, 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 corner comes in it's headed out someone on the edge of the area shoots and scores what, what's that's that open play that's open, that's play. open play oh okay so, so you're saying so it's first phase set piece right yeah isn't open play well because i think <laughs> yeah i would say no i think i think it's it's the direct plan of the corner is to find someone who heads it home and that and that could any team could do that i think is the kind of the implication here but phases of play are quite distinct it's not a particularly tricky thing to identify, Charlie. So I think we could do it this way. As soon as the head is, as soon as that corner is cleared, then it becomes open play. Yeah, as soon, I mean, as soon as it becomes another phase. Mm. But but I think it is, it it feels right in this instance because everyone knows the point that's being got at, which is that Southgate's England are really not very fluid, that they score a lot of set piece goals. So I can see why people want that not to count because it helps illustrate a point people want to make. Um, the idea, Nick, that this might have split the England press pack is quite funny. Right? I'd love to know who's on either side oh. of this debate, but it does make me think of... Imagine the Graham Taylor press conference with Rob Shepherd <laughs> back in the early 90s and then banging on about whether it counts as an open play goal. You can kind of imagine it in The Impossible Job. She- yeah, he just, Rob Shepherd just goes, I'm, I'm just, I just worry, Graham. I just worry about you the phase of play. Don't worry, Rob. It's open play. <laughs> I mean, it is a good. I don't know, wait, wait. I'm sorry, went all Mavis from Coronation Street there. I don't know why. <laughs> he, but no, I think that works though. I think Graham Taylor was there was the element of Mavis too. So, yeah. yeah. But I can see why there needs to be a sort of um, a gr- widespread agreement because you're almost, you know, you're scooping each other if you're like, oh yeah, no, no, it's not since uh, not since yeah. March, and then you come in with the November. Um, no, no. You need to have consistency. Yeah, it should be a tightly knit group. I'm, I'm sad to hear of this um, rift amongst them um next up this is very curious um i'd love to know what you think about this um pavo adamek writes in says hi adam i thought this could be of potential interest i visited the camp new recently i'm a graphic designer and i couldn't help but notice that loads of the trophies in their trophy cabinet had their text engraved in the font of none other than comic songs (laughs) (laughs) including the la liga and copa del rey major trophies wow Um, which is insane because it's a shit font and a bizarrely inappropriate choice for this purpose so i had a little look and it does turn out charlie that the copa del rey itself it's engraved in comic songs by the way i've never heard comic songs which is is probably yeah comic songs have a why? Why is it sans? Don't know. It just is. I mean, you, <laughs> that's how you pronounce sans, right? <laughs> in any other context, yes. It's a, well, it's, why would you say sans here? I don't but know. You're 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 you're, 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 fr- you're, you're francophoning it. Yeah, you're you're saying it as if it's French. Is it a French invention? Comic sans. <laughs> Comic sans. Okay. Well, how do you say? Do you, does that mean you say sans serif then? A yes, serif? Uh, yeah. I would say sans serif. Yeah, in in a font context. 
Fontex. Sounds. <laughs> Well, this is way off the beaten path here. It I is. Mean, this, this isn't quite my segue Sieg embarrassment, but um, you know, if I'm I'm continental, so be it. But anyway, how do you feel about said font being used for a trophy, Charlie? I mean, I wouldn't even accept it at under 13s level. I'd be so disappointed that I'd worked so hard for something and it was so devalued. Mm. It screams Mickey Mouse. Also, I mean, it, that, that's like a conscious choice as well, because surely just doing it in a kind of sort of fairly standard ways easier for the engraver for for comic sans looks like a slightly more mm. what i would think a slightly more difficult thing to engrave on silver so who's who's decided this like and this is an active decision mm. is that what's that got javier tebas who's always yeah shooting from the hip and being controversial is this another one of his ideas yeah, this is definitely a marketing stunt, isn't it? But it seems to be—it seems to go back years and years. This isn't a relatively modern thing. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not a very modern font either. But interestingly, Nick, um, the inventor, the designer of the font originally, uh, Vincent Conar, uh, has had to defend this font quite a lot. It's because it's become infamously shit, mm. isn't it? Of course, almost <laughs> ironically so. And um, he defended his font in the sort of almost like Alex Ferguson. And def- and defending his signing of Juan Sebastian Veron. He says, if you love it, you don't know much about typography. But if you hate it, you really don't know much about typography either. And you should get another hobby. Spirited defense wow. of Comic Sans. <laughs> Real user-all fucking idiot stuff there, isn't it? <laughs> what? That is punchy. Yeah. I, I, so so what, is he arguing there that it's just mediocre then? I guess so. Yeah, sounds like that. Yeah. He went on to say that um, Comic Sans does what it was commissioned to do. It's loved by kids, mums, dads and many family members. So it did its job very well. It matched the brief. Um, I can see his frustration there because yeah. he's like, yeah, obviously don't use it on the Copa del Rey. <laughs> that's, not, that's not on me. I designed it for kids. Damn right. Um, okay then. So I, I, I'm not sure what your base of knowledge here is with established typefaces, Nick. What font should be used on a trophy? Times New Roman would be fine, right? Yeah, probably. Um, Helvetica, cl- the, the the design classic. That would mm. look quite nice, I think. Mm. Um, impact. Your aerials, Calibris, they're they're sort of. Yeah, I'm not sure about aerial. Them. Yeah, that would that would that would trouble me. It's not grand enough, is it? Maybe. Mm. Should have asked. Should have put this in a tweet before we recorded. <laughs> it would have been a cracking <laughs> bit of engagement. That would have been. Anyway, next up, love, love, love this. This is Arsenal's uh, backup goalkeeper, Matt Turner talking about the relationship he struck up with Takahiro Tomiyasu. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to play against uh, Super Tomiyasu. Um, it's going to be, it's, he's just like such a great person. He's such a great guy to be around. Um, you know, we eat meals together from time to time. I'll see him in the locker room and say, hey, Tommy, let's go get some food. And he's always down for that. So he's just, he's just like an eight out of 10 person. You know, you know what you're going <laughs> to get from him every single day. <laughs> The best thing about this guy (laughs) is that if you, we talked about this recently about what positions kind of lend themselves to being seven Mm. out of ten every week, and in a football context, it is it is generally considered to be a compliment, a a qualified compliment. In this sense, it doesn't sound like one at all. (laughs) You know what you're going to get from him every single day. An eight out of ten person, I wouldn't be happy with that. That is, yeah, putting such a ceiling on someone's personality. that's brilliant, especially as he is such a 
exactly the kind of player who would be described as you know what you're going to get mm. from him, sort of seven out of ten each week, mm. sort of solid fullback. Uh, I've never heard someone's character described in that way. That's superb. I mean, eight out of ten is not bad, Nick, but are these the sort of people you want in your life? What you mean that the, the you you don't want someone who describes you as eight out of ten, or you no? Someone... Sorry, I'm talking about the the eight out of ten people themselves. Are these sort of these the sort of consistent presences you really need? Maybe you do. Maybe yeah, you do. I think I I I take an eight out of ten certainly. Well, but the the other thing about that was that he 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 in describing their deep personal relationship, he said uh, sometimes I say, do you want to get some food? And sometimes he says yes. I mean, it's not. <laughs> It doesn't speak to a kind of deep personal bond. Eighty percent of the time, he says yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, but then I, it's in a little window into the world of, of Premier League dressing rooms, Charlie, about how these friendships are struck up. It just Matt Turner turned to Tommy Asu once and just said, "Chance you getting some lunch?" And that was it. That was it. That was, mm. that was it. A bromance I mean, was born. <laughs> eight out of ten is actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I think seven out of ten really would be damning some of fame praise. <laughs> eight out of ten. Week after week, yeah, there's definitely room for that. Yeah, there's definitely room for that in your in your yeah. group of friends. Someone who you know, just a solid presence, <laughs> is going to be there, although not always there if he's not always saying yes to lunch. Mm. But. T- turns up, turns up at the pub broadly on time. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Just mm. yeah, reliable. But yeah. The, the eight out of ten will be occasionally has an amusing story. Is that you know, not not conversational dynamite, but. Yeah, on a stag do, he will start chatting to like the um, father-in-laws, yes, or whatever, mm. just to get the chemistry going between yeah. people who don't know yeah. each other. That's eight out of ten behaviour. Yeah, you, at a wedding, you can stick him next to a, a cousin <laughs> who no one really knows, and he'll he'll do a job. Play him anywhere. Play him anywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, this is good. I do like this. Is good. That is eight out of ten behaviour. Um, this, however, is two out of ten behaviour. This is from Joshua Hughes. I had a bizarre exchange at a Toronto coffee shop where a cashier asked if I was wearing a Man U jersey as a fan of the team or Chevrolet's cars before <laughs> noting that a mate wow. of his had a collection for this reason. Is there a sponsor in history that would render this behaviour acceptable? No, first of all, Charlie, what a bizarre thing to ask. Um, I mean, game's gone. That is, to, to answer that question, the only thing could be a retro kit that a brand has become especially cool over time or weren't there, there were those films weren't there on the Atletico um, mm, shirts yeah. if there if one were any of those films particularly cool or good that's a good question uh, what Hellboy was one of them is the one that sticks right. in my mind so if you're you're a big fan if of if you're a massive if you loved Hellboy yeah. you might be like what, oh Azerbaijan, cool Azerbaijan Land of Fire if you're yeah, particularly that's... passionate about if you that like country. fire um, yeah no, I didn't really consider the sort of ironic growth of a sponsor becoming I don't know Muller Yogurts I don't know <laughs> Brother, you love yeah, those photocopiers. Yeah, absolutely. Just saw them at your school and thought, yeah, they're eight out of ten each week. Good job. <laughs> I still don't think we're any closer, Nick, to an acceptable sponsor to wear um, just for that reason. No, there are. There was that thing that was going around a little while ago about which aesthetically, which sponsors like enhance the shirt rather than just being yeah. ugly things. And I, I think the closest anyone came to that was the Newcastle Brown Ale kind of star thing but even then I'm not sure that's you know your Newcastle Brian Ale ultras are not necessarily going to be buying Newcastle shirts just for that are they? Yeah I mean brand loyalty is very much at the heart of this Charlie so alcohol could work I mean because I mean I mean I don't know if we were allowed to say this but it is inherently cool for some people so that could work in this in this scenario. 
If they, yeah, like have Guinness sponsored back in the 80s or something, there must QPR. be like a cool, yeah. cool yes. retro shirt, did they? Okay, yeah. And that was so, a really nice shirt as well, actually. Yeah, so, that could work. so something like that. Okay, that's fine, or, yeah. If, if you were this way inclined, UNICEF, <laughs> going sort of the the other way, oh. if you know you really you really like their work yeah. and, and didn't just want to wear a UNICEF t shirt. <laughs> oh, well, the, maybe the no smoking uh, West Brom kit yeah. from the from the late nineteen eighties. Uh, yeah, yeah, really standing up for your principles. But no matter who whose team displayed it on their shirts. Okay, yeah, okay, one round slightly, but Joshua Hughes, um, worrying scenes for you. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. This is sensational. Um, Nick, the trajectory of the 12th man concept on this podcast has had... Well, it has had quite the trajectory. We've talked about 12th men, 13th men. Uh, at a WWE event the other day, we had the 68,000th man. Um, uh so it got steadily more and more ridiculous is what I'm saying. And then this is a whole new level entirely. This is from Tom Clancy, who was watching the darts from Belgium the other day. Andrew Gilding versus home favourite Dimitri Vandenberg. And uh, this happened. But maybe that's the first sign of weakness from Andrew. In these games, you're allowed to have a couple of dodgy visits. But these kind of crowds are going to let you know if it's in their favour or not. Yeah, they're trying to... Be the fourth dart, Vandenberg and Cruising here. <laughs> I will not have this, Nick. I will not have fourth dart. I will not have the concept moving to equipment. It's wrong. Just, it brings up a sensational image of someone running from the crowd to the hockey and throwing themselves at a double ten or something like that. <laughs> really pointy head. Yeah, yeah. Just pointing their fi- pointing their finger. Does that count? No. No score. I didn't even really detect any 
particular sense of irony there, Charlie. It felt like it was a genuine concept in darts. It may well be. It may be. Mm. It may be. Mm. No, I definitely didn't think there was any irony in it. Mm. Um, that's what I mean. No. <laughs> it, no. You you can it. It would be such an amazing bonus to have a fourth dart. It would really, <laughs> would really change the game. Um, ludicrous. Well, um, Dimitri Vandenberg, I can confirm, didn't take advantage of his fourth dart. He lost to Andrew Gilding in Belgium. So uh, jury mm. remains out on that concept in darts. But if anyone out there fancies coming to be our fourth man in London, Manchester, or Dublin now and for the next six weeks is your chance just go to myticket.co.uk or just google football cliches live if you're feeling pretty carefree tickets still available and we are going to have one hell of an evening times three across the British Isles right um next up unconfirmed reports I don't have a clip for this and I'm devastated unconfirmed reports Charlie that in the brief moments between speakers at the Labour Party conference this weekend they were playing Stop This Flame by Celeste. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Oh, I need to hear that. That is so good. Oh, can you imagine? I can see why. I mean, it does... Uh, it, it, we've talked about the sort of songs being written for that purpose mm. and there's something chemically in it that just... It works. Nothing really literal in there, Nick, that works necessarily, I don't think. Um, but maybe they just picked it because they just thought people would you know, in in the depths of their brains, have an instant connection. Well, the, the kind of the Pavlovian association with a pleasant Sunday afternoon or something. Mm. Yeah. Regaining the premiership, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, but Cl- Clichés alumnus, <laughs> Keir Starmer, a big football yeah. fan, so maybe he, he might have insisted on it. I'd like to think so. I would like to think so. Celeste must be rolling in royalties right now from all <laughs> sorts of random places. Anyway, Oshin McKearns writes in and says uh, he was watching... Scotland versus Ireland on RTE and uh, Ireland pouring out on the counter-attack. And he said, Stephen Kelly on Co-Coms said that Troy Parrott had acres of time, Charlie, <laughs> to score a one-on-one, which he didn't uh, then convert. Um, incredible scenes, really. Yeah, I feel like we've heard this before at some point and you can see how it happens. It's an interesting concept, acres of time. I, can't, I mean, once again, it works, Nick. I mean, it's technically completely incorrect, um, but the you know the footballing space time continuum I think will actually allow it um, acres of time. I, I can picture the scenario. Can you? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, as you've said a number of times on this podcast, you know what he means, so mm. it's kind of probably fine. And it's not a cop out. This is an important thing. This is how language should behave. People get the things slightly mm. wrong, but everyone else still understanding. But um, I did want to kind of formalise all of this. So in, uh, in last week's sister column for the Football Clichés podcast, It Is What It Is, I came up with a proper quantification of footballing spaces, beginning with half a yard. Now, Charlie, um, I want to sort of stress test this, this um, scale with you guys. First of all, half a yard. I, I argue that the proverbial half a yard is actually more than half a yard. When you think... When you think of a strike, it just needs that half a yard. I'm thinking it's actually four square yards. That's a sort of that sort of size of t- area of turf is what we're operating okay. in here. What to shift it to have the space to shift the ball and yeah. get the shot away. Yeah, yeah. if sort you of think of that as a two D area, you need more space than just half a yard, right? <laughs> that wouldn't work. No, agreed. Um, so that means Nick that a yard, you know, just giving himself that yard. 
I put it as nine square yards, three by three. Uh, yeah, sure. That that's kind of makes sense. I mean, uh, the, how how far are we going with this? Is this 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 area is going to expand exponentially until it yeah, fills they, the whole they will. Uh, don't yeah. worry, the tempo does begin to pick up. Um, Nick, I'll stay with you then. A pocket of space, which was the original query from. Uh, uh, Samuel Owens, who asked, wanted to know how big a pocket of space actually is. And I said, well, if you if you use your cultural capital for this, and the only time we ever hear about pockets of space is on Match of the Day, when they draw a little diagram around a player to see how far away he is from his supposed markers on the on the on the other team. I put I put it at about fifty to hundred square yards. <laughs> wow! So, so it's a sizable chunk of the middle of the pitch. So. 10 by 10, I'd say, is not even that big, is it really? 10 by 10 square, you could find yourself in that. That's a pocket. I suppose so. I mean, I, I, don't, I think of, don't think of pocket of space quite so much in the, the, like, the size of the space. It's more that the, the, the player is kind of technically enclosed by players on either side. but there's Between the lines, maybe. But yeah, there's an area of, of space that, in which he has room to work rather than necessarily putting a number on it which i know is not the point of this section but yes yes indeed um Ch- charlie do you see do you agree with this do you think pockets of space just simply cannot be quantified um no i think they I mean, <laughs> you know one when you see one yeah exactly you, you do you do need to have they can't be too small i think that is important because the, the skill of them is that you're you've managed to find this that it's actually a reasonably big area despite the fact that uh, you know there should be lots of players around, or there are lots of there are lots of players dotted not far. Exactly. But you sort of isolated this little area, which is why I think seven by seven to ten by ten is the sort of range we should be working within mm. here. But but trust me, these things get bigger. Uh, Charlie, uh, next up is all kinds of room, which Ooh. is a, a favourite of a commentator. It's, it's similar to all kinds of problems that a team mm. opposing a fullback. I put this at 100 to 300 square yards, so multiple pockets put together, all kinds of space, which is usually out wide, because you wouldn't you wouldn't get all kinds of space room in the middle, and it may be all kinds of space to shoot, maybe. Hmm. Could you could you get it in a set piece if if someone's unmarked that they've got all kinds and he's of room. just there in all kinds of room? Mm. But I'm not sure. I think you need I to have the ball at your feet. Yeah, maybe. I, I think you can. All to me, all kinds of space implies that the the rest of the defence is distracted by something else mm. Um, mm. so they've left all kinds of room for yeah, someone off. else to yeah, so it's it's like a, a player on one wing and there's a cross field pass or, or something along the lines or a set piece where everyone goes to the near posts the ball goes to the far post and he's in all kinds of room at the back post to mm. head in Okay. Yeah, I think that's. I think you're right. Maybe that's... it's more versatile than I thought. Then I'll have to rethink that one. Uh, next up, the very contentious um, end of the scale was uh, which is bigger, an ocean or an acre, in footballing sense. <laughs> I said an ocean of room is smaller. It's three hundred to four hundred square yards, uh, whereas an acre of space, or sorry, acres of space (plural) because you never have a single acre is four hundred to fifteen hundred square yards. So acres are more than oceans, Nick. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just one of the many ways in which the the the, the magic of lang- the language of football just completely uh, overcomes the real world, really. Because mm. uh, you you know, as we know, oceans are bigger than acres, but not on a football pitch. <laughs> exactly. I what I also thought clinched this, Charlie, is um, a lot of co-commentators would say he's in absolute acres, 
which I think pushes mm. it over the edge to being bigger. Absolute acres. And which you, you, yeah, you could say absolute oceans, could you? No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. That sounds weird. Um, would either of you care to guess what the largest area possible in a football pitch is? Talk spent on this podcast before. You can only do it away from home. Not swathes. Nope. Can you do it? Oh, the freedom of the freedom, freedom of Stadium yeah. X, which is fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred square yards. That is <laughs> all the way up to one whole half of a football pitch, a la Fernando Torres against Barcelona in twenty twelve. Uh, that was the freedom of the Camp Nou. So um, I formalised it. I've done it. I fixed it. That's great. And you're excluding there, obviously, the sort of ridiculous. You know, he's got the freedom of uh, Tyneside. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. I wasn't sure if you could introduce sort of vague geographical areas. I thought that was just for the weather at the start of a game. But I, yeah, that is a good observation. Maybe I should have included that. Um, right, next up, ears open for this one. This is from Medi George, and thanks also to Emma Davis for the translation help. This was Belgium versus Wales the other night on S4C. Can your pairs of ears and brains? No, that's. <laughs> Two, two ears each. Um, <laughs> can your collective ears and brains pinpoint the moment that S4C's Owen Tudor-Jones switches from a standard piece of co-commentator analysis to spotting Thierry Henry on the touchline? We said, just come in the Ian Bass, just in there with the ongle. Heard my call Ian Bass, perfect, or ongle, and now... Oh, no, my dear, I'm sorry. I'm going to go to the top of my head. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't be surprised that it is the same style of speech, Charlie, but it is, and it's wonderful. You just don't even need to know the words. You know what's happening. Fantastic. Have we got a translation? Yes, absolutely. Um, so there's a bit of chat about how it just needs just one pass sometimes, just one pass, and then the camera pans to Thierry Henry. This guy wasn't a bad player, was he? <laughs> Thank God he's not playing against us tonight. <laughs> Does the the kind of cross-cultural, cross-language... Uh, co-commentator's deep chuckle there as well from whoever that was. Yeah, unmistakably it's played. It's exactly the same intonation. It really is wonderful. Um, but but yeah. I, I, have I said this? I probably have. But I, I can sort of see the um, now that I'm at an age where former players who I watch are managers. I do find myself saying this to like if I'm watching with my wife or something, I'd be like, oh, you know, he was actually he was a really good, <laughs> a really good player. It's like it, I don't know why I feel the compulsion to do it, but there's something that I find quite satisfying about the football circle of life happening, that these guys who we used to watch are now, yeah, no, he was good. Yeah, midfielder. Yeah. Is it just a really sort of really low-key way of showing off your football knowledge? Is it sort of your brain yeah, just maybe. simply won't allow you not to rec- acknowledge that you know who that is? Yeah, I don't know. It's Yeah, you're like fighting every urge mm. um, to point it out. Mm. I mean, that's just not that interesting. It's a, great, it's a great phenomenon. I tend to do it if it's like someone who used to play for Forest or... So there's yeah. some there's some kind of connection which I think is a sort of subconscious way of justifying why this match that you I have otherwise no emotional involvement in is taking up valuable TV time. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me actually. I, I I don't know if we've ever discussed this in our very very lengthy discussions about what a player he was by the way. But whenever there's a kind of a group of ex pros who appear on the screen during a game. And the co-commentator mentions, mentions, say, three out of four of them. And in your brain, you go, no, I know that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, famous, yeah, yeah. But I know him too. Are they going to mention his name? They don't. And it's like, wow, got it. I know it. So, uh, yeah, it is, it's, it's all about um, ego, really, at the end of the day. <laughs> Next up, this is from Ipswich Town's official Twitter account during their two undefeats of Plymouth at the weekend. 87 minutes. Jackson strike from 25 yards out. Sails inches wide. Nick, I don't want... Shot sailing inches wide. 
I think we 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 covered this a f- couple of months ago. Maybe sailing is all obviously sailing. So sailing's always over, and it's never inches. Surely. Mm. I mean nautical miles. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the flight of the ball, Charlie, I'm not dead against it, but the the implication of the word sails is that it is that it's mm. high, wide, and handsome, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was, took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. high, wide, and handsome. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a sort of I don't know, like a droopiness or something to it. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think the it doesn't quite work. Uh, whistling wide, that's yeah. what it should be. Yeah, it should be whistling. Yeah, almost regardless of the trajectory, it should be whistling. Um, right, this is great. This is from this is via Greg Evans, who uh, who noted the Notts County in-house commentator describing West Brom loney Kevin Castro's debut free kick wonder goal at York City this weekend. Kevin Castro shaping like he's going to shoot. He is going to shoot. Get oh, it's got in! Oh! oh, my word, what a goal from Kevin Castro. Four minutes into his first start as a Nuts player, and it's flipping mental. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful delivery at the end, but I don't, I don't know, almost slightly Goldbridgean delivery of it, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it it feels like he's going. He was going to look because that what you won't be people won't be able to see is to celebrate. Uh, he did a flip, so it feels like he's. It's very much kind of say what you see. Yeah. You know, trying to tie it in a little bit too neatly. I don't know. Yeah, the flip celebration ruins it for me, Charlie. Because um, there is therefore that 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 spectre of the idea that he might be in sort of some sort of literal reference, but it doesn't feel like one the way it's delivered. Um, I think that's all the words he could muster, and that's fine. Well, yeah, I don't know because that is that that's out of the commentator's handbook. You know, you use what's around you. Um, do you, I mean? Do you think he's about to swear and then has to stop himself? No, I just, I just no, I just. You I think, think he just doesn't really know where to go with it. I, I just, have, I have the image of this guy as quite PG by nature, whoever it is, and, and flipping mental was the only thing that came to his his head. <laughs> um, brilliant, um, really loved it. It feels more like a kind of very basic like newspaper headline with, with the you know you got yes. you got the big picture of him mid air or mid flip mm. that's mm. that it, it's more that than a than a commentator's line I think yeah flipping neck yeah. yeah but yeah still wonderful delivery right I want to end this week um, with a clip from Gary Neville's visit to Qatar for Sky to give a behind the scenes tour of England's base for the World Cup the Souk Al Wakra hotel so he. Has a little stroll around Charlie, looking at the facilities in a really kind of vague kind of way. Um, I can reassure you that it is hidden away from the public, so they won't be pestered. They will be, they will be able to kind of get away from it all. There was no signs of any pool tables or anything, so that there might be a slight Rustenburg situation going on here in terms of them being bored. I'm worried about that. But all the uh, all those details went out the window right at the end when uh, Neville began to air his concerns about the local culture. You think about the local prayers that are occurring now, and that will happen during the World Cup, won't it? And w- at what times of the day will local pra- uh, prayers five, take place? Five times of the day. Five times of the day? In the morning? In the is morning, it... and then you have in the afternoon. And so what's five... ta- what time is the first one in the morning? Morning, as of now, it's 5am. Uh, 5am? Yeah. That's interesting because I mean, it's, it's, I love it, the idea of this sort of, you're surrounded by local culture and traditional setting that we've got. But at five o'clock in the morning, the players will obviously hear the prayers 
And that'll be interesting to see how they maybe you know deal with that. But that's where we are. We're in Qatar, and it, it is going to happen, uh, and should happen. Obviously, it's not going to stop for the England team. <laughs> the idea that it that it's a bit like fans letting off fireworks outside the window. Child. They're just going to have to get used to it. This is you know this is how things are done in this country. They're just going to have to adapt. And how will they adapt? Will it affect their preparations? Until until that last bit, I was genuinely expecting him to kind of go. Any chance you could have a word and just like <laughs> get him to any no at least turn it down a bit because because you know Kieran Trippy is trying to get a bit of shut eye in there and you know well we joke about this but Charlie I, I'm I'm concerned this is going to be very be a very problematic entry into the England failure long read is that the players <laughs> were disturbed by the morning prayers in Al Wakra you can and you can imagine the sort of Sky Sports News reporter stationed outside the hotel at 5am reporting like this is the scene live as you can hear I'm I'm miles away and that's pretty loud so a lot of the players are going to be waking up right now <laughs> good thumb pointing from <laughs> that yeah. elite level again from you the idea Nick the, Gary Cottrell out there with his with his sound meter saying well it, it is loud he, uh, Cot- Cottrell sure will surely go to the, the mosque to you know to hear the, the call to prayer and it's you know Right up close and personal. Didn't have this problem in Baden-Baden, did they? <laughs> you bloody love Baden-Baden, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm contractually obliged to mention it in uh, once in every five podcasts. Lo- oh, lovely place, lovely place. Some I saw Baden-Baden mentioned in a non-2006 World Cup context. I can't remember what it was. It was absolutely astonishing. It was like, what? It's, it, it kind of exists <laughs> outside of that vacuum. It was amazing. It was, it's, it's lovely um, German cuisine. It's wonderful baths, mm, uh, both the ancient Roman ones and the modern ones. Um, lovely place to go. And cheap flights as well. And uh, great walks up the hills and the mountains. Uh, and, and, a, and one of the best funicular railways I've ever been on, I can confirm. High praise. Get Maybe yourself. I heard it from you. Yeah, get yourself to Baden Baden. <laughs> on that note, thanks so much, Nick Miller, for a triumphant return to the adjudication panel. Thank you. Uh, thanks to you, Charlie. 125 not out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. See you later. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.